0: Hey there, everybody. How you doing? You having a good week? I hope you're having a good week. Once again, I'm going to continue that discussion I was having with you about uh, fame. And today I will pick up where I left off. And I believe I left off talking to you about how I was practicing with both bands. um, And it was pretty much seven days a week. I was playing seven days a week and working full time. I guess what I can talk about really quick is when I first got together with that singer guy, Mort, that I was telling you about. And um, I think it's worth talking about because it was like, wow. It was one of those moments where, whoo, I've heard other professional musicians talk about, um, you know, like when they first got together and, you know, the electricity in the room and it was just magic. Let me tell you, it was, okay? I mean, it was like... Uh, the first time I jammed with that dude, it was like I finally was home. I mean, it, that is really how it felt. Um, and his voice... Let me tell you something, okay? Uh, this guy, Mort, I'm telling you about, okay? He had the best voice of any singer I've ever heard in person, okay? Okay? He was definitely by far the best singer that I've ever worked with, okay? He's, in my opinion, the best singer that ever came out of Cleveland, okay? Uh, He had a magic voice, okay? Uh, He... He was the best singer I've ever, ever known, or he might be one of the best I've ever heard. OK, um, I'm not sure how he's doing now because I don't really pay attention. I've kind of tuned out, to be honest, because he's still going. OK, uh, the band that we started is still going. Okay, with other members, but I'm no longer a part of it, and I no longer really pay attention to anything that they're doing. But when him and I first hooked up, it was just like electricity bouncing off the walls. I mean, songs started to get written instantaneously. They were coming out of us like it was like magic. And and let me tell you, magic, okay? We had uh as far as I'm concerned you know we had all of the intangibles that you need to go all the way I mean it was very clear to me from the very first time we ever played together that him as the singer and guitar player and me as the drummer as long as that was the setup Whoever else was playing in the band, it didn't really matter. Like, we had a very solid thing going, okay? And I can say that with absolute truth and certainty. I know it. I know it. And that's not to say that we were both perfect people, okay? Because him and I both had our own idiosyncrasies or whatever. But personally, I was willing to overlook everything anything like that because this guy was that good and I knew that if I stayed drumming for this guy there was a future there okay he was that gifted and he was that good um, his voice was like a perfect mix okay of and this is exactly what it was okay this is exactly what he sounded like um, a perfect mashup of Peter Murphy and Peter Gabriel. If you took those two voices and you mashed them into one person, that's his voice. Okay? And you know, I had seen Screw Tractor play before. I mean, I was familiar with them a little bit. i never met him. i never talked to him or anything, but I had seen them play live. I had listened to their music. I was a fan of their music. Okay, I thought his voice was great. But aside from the singing, okay, I can say this too. That this dude, when I first saw him playing, okay, he looked like a rock star. I mean this guy had he had it all. He had the whole package. Okay. He had the looks, he had the voice, he had the lyrics, he had the sensibility. I mean, this guy was the real deal, okay? Um, And it's kind of like, you know, like I was saying in the last episode, as time goes by, if you're a musician and you're serious about what you're doing, okay? And time goes by, like in your scene, in your city, what happens as time progresses is that that pool of musicians gets smaller and smaller each year. You know, you start out when you're 14 and by the time you're 25, you know, 26, 27, pushing 30, if you're still going, all the other guys who are still going are just as serious as you are. It's almost like it's a way of weeding out the ones who aren't as serious and the sole survivors are the guys who are the real deal, you know? And I'm happy to say I was one of those guys. Okay? I mean, obviously, I'm 46 now, so I'm still doing this. I'm still going, you know? I never quit. I never stopped. And neither did he. To this day. So, uh, that's something I think is worth talking about. For all you musicians out there, I'm sure there's some of you who know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, it's uh, nature's way of, you know, separating the boys from the men. I mean, you really, at a certain point, if you're of a certain age and you're still going, then you should pat yourself on the back. Because it's a serious thing to do. It's a serious gamble to take with your life, you know. And a lot of guys are willing to do it. And he was one of them, and I was one of them. Now, I've also heard it said by famous musicians... Very famous musicians like, you know, Steve Tyler and, you know, Joe Perry from Aerosmith, you know, talking about how, uh, you know, the great bands, you know, they all have two things in common, a great singer and a great drummer. You know, all of the greatest bands of all time have those two things in common. And I was pretty confident, you know, starting a band with this guy that... Uh, We had that. We had that. We had a good drummer, and we had a good singer. And like I said, we had all the intangibles, and we had all the tangibles. I mean, we had the gear, professional equipment. We had uh, professional experience. We were serious players, and we had natural gifts as well. And when you put those together, wow, we really had a special thing going Okay, so I'll stop talking about that because I think I've driven that point home. But um, that first practice that we got together was really a magic moment in my life. Okay, now I was still playing in Slow Bob. Very important to remember that. And, you know, we were good too. And basically what had happened was we had decided in Slow Bob that we were going to start writing a new album. Okay. And that meant really strict, regimented uh, process, you know. Um, And I kind of found myself um, at that time, regrettably, um, I found myself kind of getting tired of that. Okay. Because I was in this other band where things were so much more free flowing and natural and. Melodic and, you know, basic 4-4 and not pop songs, but, you know, not math rock either. You know, Um, a little more appeal to a larger audience. And that was appealing to me. Okay, at that point, there was much more potential there. At least that's how it seemed at the time. And I was wrong. <laughs> Way wrong. <laughs> but... Um, so, you know, Slow Bob had booked a bunch of shows, you know, months in advance. And what we decided we would do was stop booking shows. And once we played that last show, we wouldn't do any more live performances. And we would only be writing. We wouldn't do any more live shows. Which didn't bother me so much because I was in this other band and we were starting to play live. So it worked out pretty good for me, time-wise and schedule-wise. So, you know, time marched on, we played those shows, and then, you know, finally we get to the last uh, scheduled performances of Slow Bob, which um, we actually had two shows in one day, and they were both pretty big shows um, and very memorable which makes it all that much sadder that Slow Bob ended, okay? Especially all these years later because we really left off on a high note as far as the live performance is concerned because we didn't realize it at the time, okay? But these, these two shows we were doing this one day were going to be the last shows that we played live together and that sucks. But Basically, what it was, was we had a live performance. There was a show, um, you know, I had mentioned a couple episodes back that there was a radio station called WRUW, and they had a show called Live from Studio A. The bands would come in and play live or whatever on the air, right? Well, um, they also had every summer a show called Studio Rama, and it was broadcast live on the radio. And certain bands from the city would be selected to come play Studio Rama, and as far as I was concerned, it was kind of like an honor to play Studio Rama. It was really kind of like one of those things I always wanted to do, and I was never asked to. So finally, you know, Slow Bob was asked to play, and it was a big deal. It was uh, there were a lot of people there every year. Uh, it was a big event. It was a lot of fun. Anybody who was anybody was there. You know, uh, every band was there, media people, disc jockeys. I mean, all kinds of video producers. I mean, everybody was there. It was held outside. It was like a festival kind of atmosphere. A smaller, though, you know, low-key kind of thing, but it was really an event every year in Cleveland, as far as I was concerned. And uh, so we were scheduled to play. So that night we also were scheduled to play at a very... Large club in Cleveland called the Odeon. It was a big place, maybe, you know, 3,000 or 5,000 people, okay? And uh, which was big for us. And we were opening for uh, Machine Head and Corrosion of Conformity. Um, and so, you know, it was going to be a busy day. And so we, we played Studio Rama. And we just threw down. I mean, we we had a great show, okay? Uh, Because by that time, we were just rock solid, and we were. And, uh, you know, we had an audience and everything, and we just, we came out and just dropped it like a bomb on the place. And uh, so we had to hurry up, though, after we were finished, you know, we couldn't really hang out and you know, talk to people or anything. We had to load up right away after we finished playing. We had to head over to the Odeon to load in and do sound check and all that kind of stuff. So, um, we did that and we, you know, got over there and, uh, you know, we played the show. We opened the show and, uh, the place was absolutely packed. I mean, it was rammed. Okay. Um... And, uh, and, uh, we played so well. I mean, I I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we had already played that day. So we were, like, warmed up, and we were just, like, red hot as soon as we hit the stage. And we just threw down. And, I mean, I remember after we finished playing that show, you know, I had one of those moments when, uh, the drummer, uh, Reed Morgan from Corrosion of Conformity, came up to me after we were finished, and he was just like, "Dude, you rock, man! You effing rock, you know." And uh, and that made my self-esteem go up about an inch, you know. Um, it was that was one of those times when uh, <laughs> I'll never forget it. It was meaningful coming from him, this freaking awesome drummer, you know, coming up to me, this, this professional famous drummer, you know, coming up to me and, and complimenting my playing. haha, <laughs> That was freaking great. I'll never forget it ever. And that's not braggadocio. That's, that's humility. Trust me. That dude is awesome. So, um, I remember that show really vividly, you know, I remember, After we were finished, you know, we had a box of CDs that we were, you know, planning on selling. And just for some reason, I don't know what came over me, but I grabbed this box and I started to toss CDs out into the crowd. And, you know, the bass player came over and grabbed a couple and the guitar player came over and grabbed a couple. And we just started like, you know, like Frisbees, like, you know, throwing these CDs out into the crowd. And I mean, the crowd loved us, you know. And uh, that was our last show. I didn't know it. We didn't know it at the time when we were walking off that stage and the crowd was just going crazy, okay? Um, We didn't know it, but that was the last time that we were going to do a show together. It's kind of sad because it was really, really great. I mean, if we were going to go out with a bang, we certainly did. But we knew after that show that there would be no more live shows, that we would buckle down and start writing new material. And, uh, you know, around the same time, this other band I was in started to play live anyway, like I said. So that was okay. I was cool with that. I was still getting my, you know, live experience. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of fun at that time and all that. But um, with Slow Bob, back to Slow Bob, you know, we we did start writing. And, you know, I got to tell you, you know, I still have some cassette tapes, of those practices of when we were writing. And, you know, we recorded everything. Slow Bob recorded everything in the studio uh, when we were rehearsing. We would record ourselves playing and then take a break and listen to what we did and kind of like break it down and analyze it. And, you know, maybe we should change this or that. And it was like every time it was like a machine. You know, we just had it down. And the material that we came up with for our follow-up CD. Let me tell you something, okay? It's really a tragedy. It's a tragedy that that music never made it to the public because we wrote a great album. I mean, the follow-up CD to And Through the Order was going to be phenomenal, okay? It was like all the growth, all the refinement, all the experience rolled into these new songs, and ah, uh, it's just, like I said, a tragedy that that music never made it to the public, but it didn't. And the reason that it didn't is because of this, okay? And this is the reason, ultimately, why I quit SlowBob, okay? This was the event. Okay, there was a friend of mine. His name was Tom Rojak, okay? He was a guitar player from a death metal band from our city. And just over the years, you know, him and I, when we saw each other, there was a genuine respect and admiration for each other as players, okay? Um... You know philosophically we were probably polar opposites okay um but for some reason there was this mutual respect and every time i saw him he treated me with dignity and respect even though he disagreed with a lot of the things that i liked and he disagreed with where i was coming from philosophically and vice versa for some reason with this guy we both gave each other a pass and every time we saw each other it was like, hey man it was just like it was a good relationship you know, it was a good relationship and I didn't have a whole lot of that with a whole lot of other musicians really, okay Um, a lot of the time philosophies and things would polarize people but for some reason with Tom and myself, that never happened Okay, and he was a good guy, and uh, and he was a total you know, goat, dirt meddler kind of death metal, black metal dude, you know, uh, and I was more of this other thing, you know, over here, but uh, he was just one of the greatest, one of, one of the funniest and kindest, nicest guys, you know, just a nice guy. Well, one night. You know, Tom partied a little too hard or something, and he wound up dying. He died. Um, And, you know, it wasn't like we were best friends, you know. We weren't super close or anything like that. But I respected him. And I was sad that he died. I mean, I was really sad that he died. And, you know, some friends of his were putting together a show, like a benefit concert for his family. Okay. And uh, as soon as I heard about that, I was like, oh, we have got to play. You know, we have got to play this show. So, you know, I go to slow bob practice and I say to the guys, hey, you know, this friend of mine died. They're doing a benefit concert for him. And I would really like to play the show. No. Really? Like what about just one show? You know, just we'll just do one show. This show, this benefit concert for this guy who was a friend of mine who died. Let's let's just do one show. What do you think? No. Absolutely not. We're writing new material. Yeah, yeah, I know that, but like this is me. You know, like I'm asking you guys to do me a favor here. Like Let's play this benefit concert, right? Because he was a friend of mine. No, absolutely not. Okay, now, I didn't quit the band at that very moment. I didn't walk away with my gear that night. But it was a couple days after. Okay, after I had really kind of tried to give the guys an opportunity to change their mind. About doing this one favor really for me and for this friend of mine who had passed away and they were absolutely unwilling to do it for whatever reason they just were not going to do it and that was the end of slow bob i came back a couple nights later i loaded my gear up into my car uh i said sayonara good luck love you guys i hope that you have a great career but I will never play with you again and um, you know of course by then the relationships had gone like right into the toilet anyway so the whole thing it just kind of fizzled into this really this, this hot mess you know of emotions and you know animus and all this stuff and this was just the final straw that broke the camel's back it was it That was it. And there was no turning back. There was no turning back. So I quit. I left. I never came back. And uh, as far as I know, um, I think they tried to get another drummer in there, and they played with another drummer for a while. But um, I'm not sure how long that lasted or whatever. But uh, by then, I was kind of tuning it out. So that left me with this other band, you know, who was, uh, busy writing, getting ready to record and playing live very frequently. Um, and, uh, so that's where I'll leave off for now. So this is Mike Bostwick from Pipe Choir Records signing off. And remember folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy.